0: I'm Carol Joy Side, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You're listening to episode 77. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Well, this morning I am sitting across from my computer as I'm zooming with my assistant, Rachel, and her sweet husband, Jesse Winchester. Hello, you guys. Welcome. Hello. Hi. <laughs>
1: right,
0: bright and early. <laughs> yeah. So, tell us a little bit about your family, Jesse, and and about your lives. What do you guys do?
1: Yeah. So we live in Upstate South Carolina. Uh, it's Rachel and myself, and then our three beautiful children, um, Benji, Lucy, and Caroline. Uh, they are five, three, and she's how many months? Nine. Nine <laughs> months. Nine months now. So, um, I'm a real estate agent, so, uh, and I work all across the upstate of South Carolina and, uh, Rachel is home with our kids and Carol keeps her busy as well. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) she's home eating bonbons and working for me and taking care of three children.
1: Right.
2: (laughs) That's a walk in the park, really. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Spa days every day.
0: (laughs) Exactly. So today I wanted to interview you all because I think you really model something that I'm pretty passionate about, and that is how to make our children comfortable in nature and the outdoors and what that looks like. So, Rachel, talk a little bit about how, um, you know, you've implemented that vision with your kids. Yeah, I
2: think when our son was a baby, it just began by morning walks because I wanted to get out of the house. I wanted to move. And so we'd just go on a walk around the neighborhood um, and he'd be in the stroller, you know, pushing and everything. And then as he got older, then it would kind of evolve into him actually doing more things, you know, cause when, the first kind of six to eight months of a baby's life is pretty inside. I mean, so then, but then once they start to crawl, they want to go outside, you know, that's what our baby right now wants to do. When we open the door, she gets so excited to go outside. And when we, my parents have a lake house and when we walk down to the lake, she starts kicking her feet as she sees the water, you know, they have this natural desire, I think, to be outside and To explore and crawl around and, you know, find the mulch, find the sticks to chew on,
0: (laughs) just (laughs) dig around.
2: Yes. (laughs) And so, yeah. So it kind of began as just getting outside, having this practice of getting outside every day, and then, you know, went further, you know, okay, now we're in the sandbox or now we're, um, you know, crawling
0: around, you have to really let them get dirty. <laughs> yes. Yes. And what about germs? And what about laundry? And what about, you know, danger? Like, how, how do you face those issues that some moms particularly are very, very concerned about? Jesse, you want to answer that question? <laughs> you're smiling a big smile.
1: We, well, are. I was just thinking our our children's clothes are like 99 and percent hand-me-downs because of that you know we don't ever really pay full price for clothing <laughs> because they just get ruined um, you know in five minutes so especially when they're crawling it's like those clothes are goners you know so <laughs> um, yeah germs I mean we I think tend toward a terrain theory approach to life. So, you know, it's like, we don't necessarily worry as much about germs and things because, you know, dirt is good for you. So.
0: (laughs) Dirt is marvelous for you actually. The research is that kids who are kept too clean uh, wind up having asthma and other issues that kids who've been rolling around in the dirt. Now I don't mean city dirt you know, it's not like you go into a subway station, let your yeah. kids go. On. Right. <laughs>
2: right. Yeah. But,
0: but dirt, real dirt. I mean, earth right? Mm-hmm. is a healing, amazing thing for kids, for their nervous systems, for their mm-hmm. digestion, for their immune systems. It's a gift. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I can, I just have all
2: these like pictures of I mean, when Benji was a baby and he was just crawling, he hadn't started walking yet, but we had put in a little garden. So I would be out there weeding and he would just be crawling across the yard. And, you know, I mean, when you're crawling across the yard, you're very close to the ground. So (laughs) you're just getting all that stuff right up in your face and everything. And I remember like planting a tree or something and he was just right there in the he's covered in red clay because that's what we have around here (laughs) and he's just all orange you know and Uh covered in it and so that's just kind of the whole atmosphere of like how we live you know they just are right there in it with us yes um and and we've become more outdoors as we you know, raise them to be outdoors, then our own interests have kind of increased at the same time of,
0: Mm. you know,
2: we have a yard. And so we keep the yard and we have a garden and keep the garden and weed and pick the vegetables. And, you know, we have chickens now too. So that (laughs) gives us
0: something to do. outside. Talk about that. Talk about chickens. That's
1: a marvelous thing to have. Yeah. Yeah. Children are obsessed with them you know it it doesn't matter if they've ever seen one or not they want to run straight to them so yeah if you if you want to get your kids outside get a couple of chickens um, because they'll you know you don't want the chickens inside so that brings that takes the that takes the kids out yeah so yeah we had we had some folks at our house recently who they had never really seen chickens before and they you know their um, their kids ran straight down there and just were fascinated with the whole the whole setup so
0: <laughs> are the chickens safe from your children you know I mean that's a question <laughs> I'm they, not worried about the children being safe they, right? they
1: would love them to death if we let them you know so they I think they are learning their boundaries so
0: <laughs> yeah now you have created a little building for your chickens right do they go in at night or how do you do it
1: Mm -hmm. yeah we have a coop and a run where they're enclosed pretty much unless we let them out so um pretty good setup yeah they go in on their own at night and come out on their own in the morning so yeah
2: yeah (laughs) yeah we go and take them the scraps from the kitchen and then we gather the eggs and the kids are all a part of it actually we um there was a snake in the coop last week or something mm-hmm. and Benji was helping me get the eggs and we have some that like to lay in the corner <laughs> where they're not supposed to but we yeah. have to go in to the coop and get them and so he was unlocking it and going in to get it and he saw a snake and thankfully Jesse gives him like they he's you know gives safety talks about snakes <laughs> <laughs> and so he's just I mean Benji was so shocked he just backed out of there fast and you know my dad and Jesse were thankfully here yeah. uh because it was like middle of the morning you know so it could have very well just been me <laughs> <laughs> we would have
0: lost a lot of eggs <laughs> um but yeah Killed chickens what what is what was the snake after the eggs or the, the eggs
1: yeah, yeah. and egg in its mouth so we got a you know snake anatomy lesson and all that we talked about relocating snakes and good snakes <laughs> versus bad snakes and
0: yeah it was just a big black snake yeah. but
1: we don't kill the good ones you know so <laughs>
0: Interesting. okay nope. and you knew enough to know what kind of a snake that was mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah See? this is all so there's there's obviously
2: dangers of you know being outside and mm-hmm. you know so you want to kind of give them an awareness of that of like, there are snakes out there. They can bite you, you know, r- flee, flee the scene. And you see seen one.
0: Temptation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. We'll see and I, I remember when we lived in Nashville, a huge snake wrapped itself around the back door of the house and JJ was just a toddler. And I just completely freaked out because I didn't know enough about it, you know? And I think it's important to be able to identify snakes when you live in a place where there are snakes, and most places have snakes. So you really need to be knowledgeable. Is this, like you said, Jesse? Is this a good snake or a bad snake? So how did you know that?
1: Uh, just, <laughs> just I not I mean, I've seen good. I've seen the good kind and bad bad kind in my life. And we have, we have a picture to like a printout um, and. I think the American Boys Handbook, um, what is it? what's it called? Yeah, the yeah, American Boys it. Yeah. Handbook it has pictures in there of the different kinds of snakes and the shapes of their heads and, you know, so what's venomous and what's not, so.
0: I didn't even know that.
1: I love that book.
0: One more reason to love it. Right. No. <laughs> good because i need to get that out and say hmm yeah this is so good i mean this is growing up with nature these things are just innately known but if you've been living in a suburban you know castle all your lives you don't have life experience with a snake you don't have life experience with anything you know really outdoors unless you work harder at it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i mean
2: jesse definitely has a lot of childhood experience with all of those things and so you know was taught to identify snakes and trees and everything so he was kind of given that knowledge and is able to
1: yeah I was never inside as a child I think that's the best thing my best gift my parents ever gave me was a push out the door you know (laughs) every day I was I was a terror as a child especially if I was inside you know it just
0: most kids are Yeah. yeah Yeah.
1: Then when you're outside and the trees are above you, the sky is above you, the sun is above you, everything is taller than you, you feel really small. You know, you kind of get put in your place a little bit. So <laughs> that was good for me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. So how have you intentionally made your children outdoor children?
1: We, we do things together outside. So, landscaping, yard work, um, that's all pretty minimal. But then, like outside projects, playing outside, you know, bicycles, like encouraging outside play, you know,
2: family walks.
1: Yeah. We set up a, last year, a couple of years ago, we set up a mud kitchen outside. So they, how can, about you know, that? So there's two it's it's like so simple if you saw it It, and it's it's always a mess but it's so much fun for them there's two stumps with an old tabletop on top of it okay and we've collected from thrift stores and things like little pots and pans and um you know muffin muffin tins that we torched muffins in you know then that goes outside so you know um all that it just and then they play out there for hours Going to get dirt from one part of the yard to bring it over to the other and filling up a water bucket yeah. to make mud and, you know, baking their pies and their cakes. And they'll come tell me, you know, I made you some meatloaf, Dad, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And so they play out there. I mean, 90% of their time outside is spent yeah. at that really simple and really cheap, like nearly free setup. So, We've had sandboxes and water tables and things like that, you know, all the expensive things that you can get to go <laughs> outside, but they don't really play with them, you know, <laughs> they play with them for a little while and they get bored. So that's like totally open-ended for them yeah. and they oh. they can just play out there for hours and hours. So.
0: And you don't mind them digging up your yard or you know see talk about that you know but we have a gardener and we have an hsa what is it called not h-o-a whatever it is yeah (laughs) h-o-a and you know people are thinking all these things it's like well our house looks like you know a golf course outside it's like perfect like how does this work in a suburban i mean you guys live in a suburban area
1: yeah Yeah. thankfully we don't have an h-o-a okay Oh, we still um, want
2: our neighbors to not yeah. feel like we're polluting the neighborhood yeah, we, yeah.
0: next door yeah we don't want that yeah
1: yeah we don't we don't want to be the messy neighbor and we're not by any means but you know it and we do have like it's a routine you know to clean up the yard we blow off the driveway we we clean up after ourselves out there just like we do inside uh, yeah, I mean I think if you if you have the pristine manicured yard and you know just the the fortress of a you know set up outside I think you're you're probably going to be frustrated a lot, you know, or your kids are just going to be stifled yes. where it, you know. So I think I had to break up with that mindset, you know, cuz I I definitely wanted to be the, you know, have the best yard in town, you know, when we <laughs> first were having kids and then I was I was like, yeah, this it's not worth it, you know, to chase them around, you know, fuss in because they've dug a hole, you know, so. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Well, (laughs) have you kind of given them um, a section of your yard that can, yeah, talk Mm -hmm. about that, right? Right, kind of creating zones of, like yeah.
2: their their mud kitchen is in a particular place and it's kind of tucked to the side anyway. so it's not like that's happening in the middle of the yard right. you know not your front
0: yard where all the neighbors right. yeah. yeah
2: I mean right now Benji has we have a gravel section and he has he's like digging a road and so it is a rather disaster <laughs> right now but <laughs>
0: <laughs> i love it I'm but so he's
1: so happy. proud of it you know so yeah. yeah
0: he should be proud of it yeah yeah this is great i mean i always say to people tell send your children outside to dig a hole and fill it back in and mm-hmm. that they're probably thinking dig a hole in my manicured yard you know so yeah. is there an area that can be the kids war zone mm-hmm. and then you know i'm i'm a real believer in that our front yards lead need to look fabulous mm-hmm. yeah our backyards like every man to himself kind of thing you know when you have small children
2: mm-hmm. yeah we have some friends who their backyard she like used cinder blocks and created this big bordered area yes she made a big sand area and mm-hmm. so it wasn't just a little rinky dink you know sandbox or then they're trying to get out of it it was big enough where they could have their big trucks and yeah. dig and all this stuff and so Um, I really think that's helpful, making sure it's on a scale that they feel like they've got enough room to do some things and multiple children do some things. Yes. Because if it's too small, then they just get trapped and then they start looking outside of it and everything.
0: When I was a ballet student in my college years, my favorite part of class was the work we did at the ballet bar. I couldn't get enough of the fundamentals of ballet. I learned something new each time I did my plies. I feel the same way about a seminar that I wrote many years ago called A Literature-Based Approach to Education. That's where it all began. This information is the basis for everything I teach. Without it, you'll be frustrated and confused. It is truly fundamental. On September 11th, I'm teaching that seminar in a live, all-day webinar. Participants have access to the replay for two weeks after the live event, and you'll receive a PDF of 11 pages of my book lists that are yours forever. We will have a live panel discussion with families that are using my methods who will be answering your questions in real time. You don't want to miss it. Click the link in the episode description to register on my website. Early bird registration ends September 1st. Now back to the show. What about like climbing apparatus or structures or what what are some great ways to simply, you know, get, because people say to me, we, we tell our kids to go outside and play and, and I'm like, oh, lock the door and wave at them through the window. And they're like, yeah, but they stand at the door and cry. Yeah. Well, like, well, there's probably just grass out there with nothing to do. Right. And so what, what are some things that kids can, you know, build on to be creative and in, in the outdoors? Yeah. I think
2: when it, there's kind of this training so, I was usually with the children outside during these kind of training times of when they're really little, it's you're training them to not just put everything in their mouth. You know, you can chew on a stick, maybe, but don't chew on the rocks or something like that. And then you can play in the yard, but don't go in the road. And you have to really, I mean, it was very focused effort to, okay, go outside. And then I'd be kind of watching them. Because I knew they were going to be tempted by the road, and then I'd have to, you know, make sure they didn't do that. And consequence, if you step in the road, because this is dangerous, you know. Yeah. Um. But then once, but then you go through that, and then they understand that boundary, and then it's kind of the next thing. Okay, okay, you don't go in the basement. Like (laughs) you can play in the backyard, but don't go in the basement. And we're gonna reinforce that, but because I think they need to know their boundaries and everything but also some of the training has been me being outside with them especially when they were younger was okay I'm in a I think in the Waldorf they call it um like kind of holding the space or something
0: holding the space yeah yeah Explain. So like
2: the caregiver is present to just kind of hold the space with the child. I don't know, kind of be an anchor maybe yeah. as it means. And so, you know, when Benji was little, it kind of helps with subsequent kids because the other children become that anchor for them. Whereas with the first child, you know, I was the anchor for him. So I would go out, you know, let's go play in the sandbox. I didn't play with him in the sandbox, but I would sit there and I'd read mm-hmm. and he'd play in the sandbox or, Okay, let's go outside and work in the yard and I have a specific task that I am working on and he's just around and then I'm keeping tabs on are you going in the road are you, you know, just helping that's when you're doing the like training and stuff but it helps to, you know, do I want to go out in the yard, if it's not very interesting for me as an adult to go outside and do anything in the yard. Then, you know, if I go out in the yard in the middle of the day, is there shade or is it all just in direct sunlight and I'm sweltering and so I don't want to go outside, you know, (laughs) is it, is it interesting for you as an adult? Because if it's not even interesting as an adult, then it's definitely not going to be interesting as a child. And then they don't have just, they need parts to manipulate, you know, even as simple as dirt, water, water bucket, you know, and
0: shade. So did you, you create shade? And how do you do it? We've
2: been blessed with yards that have at least some shade.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah. I mean, plant some trees, you know?
0: Well, yeah, but trees take a while to give you shade. It can take five years. And so, you know, a lot of families do have, you know, they move into a new house. There are no trees yeah so there's no shade and what are their children going to do out there And right and they tell me that they, yeah. they I hear this <laughs> when I'm consulting with families these are the things I'm hearing yeah. so go ahead there's a good book called I think it's called nature home at play
2: or nature play at home so okay and um <coughs> she gives all kinds of ideas i mean she, she kind of is giving a like philosophy for it but then also gives tons of ideas and really building play into the landscape is also her kind of thing. And so, I mean, it it kind of works for you that children are not very tall, you know, especially little children. So even a small tree or a hedge or something like that gives them something to kind of hide behind or some grasses that grow really big pretty quickly
0: or plant some sunflowers and, you know, Yes. So let's talk about some books. So, Sharon Lovejoy's books, Roots, Shoots, Buckets, and Boots. Mm -hmm. And she has one called Sunflower Houses. Mm -hmm. Um, But, Sharon Lovejoy really explains how to kind of create things in the garden and in the yard that really excite children, like planting sunflower seeds in a big square. Mm -hmm. and then planting morning glories that climb up the sunflower seeds, Mm -hmm. and then laying sticks across the top of the sunflower seeds that the morning glories climb across and create a roof. So she's like, remember to not plant a complete square, leave a door so you can get into that house. Mm Right. But she just really understands how to make our yards more interesting and really magical for children also Daniel Beard wrote a book on shelters do you remember the name of that book um it's called shelters shacks and shanties the the classic guide to building wilderness shelters by DC Beard or Daniel Beard and he just teaches kids how to build things from a teepee to a treetop house to a log cabin to a sod house And um, it's just amazing, the things he teaches kids to make. Uh, Navajo, Hogan's, a pole house, beaver mat huts, half cave shelters, birch birch bark shacks. So anyway, it's called shelters, shacks, and shanties. So giving kids, and these are great like scrap lumber projects with dad or grandpa or um, big brother's creating a place for the children to play just like you've made the mud kitchen they need some of these places and then their imagination just takes off and you can just go take a nap but getting them started um, on this blank yard with kind of brown looking grass and nothing else who would want to go out there especially in the heat of the day
1: benji benji really likes to build yes um and i think all boys do you know if a it, yeah foster that in boys especially um but the his building site ended up in our driveway all the time you know, that was where he was doing it and everything so there were nails and screws and everything in our driveway so we had to park like at the road basically Um so we we problem solved and moved his he calls it his job site <laughs> We have some neighbors across the street who are contractors, so they always go to their job site. So he goes to his job site, you know. Um, but we moved it back to the back corner of our backyard, yeah. moved all his stuff, and then every piece of scrap lumber, every screw he can find, every nail, every rusty hammer, you know, just anything that he, he's got a box out there that he keeps his tools in, um, That's that's his job site, you know. So that's a designated area where he... I mean, we don't waste any scrap lumber, especially these days, as expensive as it is. He he gets to take it and go build with it. So
0: that is so great. I am loving this idea. I'm picturing a place behind my garage where my grandchildren could set up shop and nobody would care. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just finding a little place that's just theirs and they can leave it set up and leave it messy and nobody cares instead of you know, obviously we want to be respectful of our neighbors, but Mm -hmm. our children are our primary concern and giving them the freedom. And as Dr. Moore used to say, buy your children tools, not toys and watch them have fun Mm -hmm. and just simple things like a rope hanging from a tree or making like a rope swing. There's a dad, a homeschool dad that I was reading about um, during COVID. He built a swing I think he's in South Carolina now that I think about it. And um, he built this really, really nice swing for his kids. And it was such a hit that he started selling them nationally. It was in Southern Living, actually. That's where it was. Yeah. And they have, yeah, their precious Christian homeschool family. And this is just his little side hustle, but he's doing these beautiful swings and he's using lovely wood and he's, you know, he's bringing it to a whole nother level, making kind of an heirloom swing, which was great. But any dad, could make a rope swing or a tire swing. Um, we're making sometimes we make things too hard and too expensive, mm-hmm. and um, some places won't even let you climb the trees. You know, so Richard Louv, who wrote uh, Last Child in the Woods, talks about living in San Diego, in a you know suburban area where your the children are not even allowed to climb the trees where yeah. they live. So how do you, you know, if you have trees, how do you get kids up in them? How can you make them more accessible to kids?
1: Don't trim the limbs off that are <laughs> at the bottom. <clears throat> Leave yeah. them. Um, don't manicure them too much. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Or tie a rope to a limb and let them, you know, kind of belay themselves up the tree.
0: Exactly.
1: Um, exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, these things are so <laughs> simple, but sometimes we're paralyzed living in the suburbs and we just are like, yeah, let's just go to the park and play on the swing set, which lasts about 10 minutes. I mean, swing sets are better, but you know, like jungle gyms can be so boring after a certain period of time, like city parks. Richard Love talks about that, that that is not what children are looking for. They're looking for wilderness. They're looking for jungle. They're looking for shade and and nothing manicured. And so when JJ was little, we lived at the beach. And we had a little park um, down at the beach there in Huntington Beach and he and his friends, uh, we had a darling park with sand under everything. It was really great. But they would play on that stuff for about 10 minutes and then they would disappear and they'd be on the edges of the park where there were bushes and trees and (laughs) scope for imagination as Anne would say. And that's where they wanted to play and what they wanted to do. Yeah. So, any advice to young families as we close what what would you say? They're just starting out and they're like, "Oh what what would you say?"
2: I think just even just coming up with one way that you can together start to spend some time outside, even if it's going to a place a a park or a preserve, you know, choosing a place that it's more trails and like what you're talking about, wilderness or, Or, you know, conserved land or something. Um, And, you know, just in spending time together outside of just, this is something we all enjoy. We love to get outside. I mean, it will make a difference in your own life because I'll be all worked up and stomach in a knot and we'll go on our adventure and you know be just in the woods and the waterfalls and you know i'm like oh i don't feel all tight and worked up or anything we're just relaxed and together and stuff and so i think that helps to just start to cultivate that enjoyment of nature together and that adults and children both do this you know and normalize that for the family
0: yes Yes. Jesse, what would you say to the dads? I mean, I love the idea of that we do nature as a family. Like, so do you plan activities like on a weekend or in the evening, you know, where you go somewhere else besides just your yard?
1: Yeah, I was just thinking about families that might live on, you know, a postage stamp sized you know, plot of land. Um, I mean, I definitely sell those houses all the time and it's, you know, but there's, there's a, there's a park near you, you know, somewhere, you know, within a driving distance, there's, there's a park or there's a, um, a nature trail or something like that. If you don't have any of that near you, make friends with someone with land, <laughs> you know, near you. <clears throat> um, I think for us and, you know, well, I guess to the dads, just be, be aware of your family's rhythms and just normalize going outside Normalize outside, turn off the TV, you know, um, put that away, put the games away, you know, and go out the door and let that be the Saturday morning activity, you know, not cartoons, you know, (laughs) just
0: take take it out. That's really good that you said that, Jesse. Excuse me for interrupting you. But a lot of times when I'm consulting with dads, they say to me, Well, Carol, I'm gone, you know, 12 hours a day living in California, commuting, doing whatever. How I feel like my wife is doing everything, and I just don't feel like I have a place to contribute. And I always ask them the same thing. So, are you off one day a week, like Saturday, or is there a predictable day? And they're like, Yeah. I'm like, Well, could you be the nature dad? Could you just pack your kids up and throw in some almonds and raisins and water and drive off into the sunset and take your kids for hours to just what you're describing, you know, hiking, climbing, nature preserve, and leave your wife home to read Jane Austen in the hammock and have silence for four hours, you know, a week. Mm -hmm. And and then the wife always says, no, I want to come. I'm like, okay, great. You come too. But I just feel like if daddy owns this what a gift that is to the whole family that you set the pace and you you plan it and initiate it mm-hmm. yeah yeah so all right well would you pray for these families which one of you you why don't you both pray rachel you start <laughs> you, you dial and jesse you'll hang up is what we say okay.
2: <laughs> <All right. laughs> father we thank you for your creation and just the beauty of it and the splendor of it and how it speaks to us of your character and your goodness and your strength. And we just pray for the families who are listening to this and just that children and adults alike would just be drawn to outside and that they would see your creation and just be drawn to you and live in communion with you. And that you would just help them to be creative and think of ways that they can get outside and um, play together, explore together, um, cultivate the earth, and just really be passionate about those things.
1: Yes, Father, we th- <clears throat> Father, we thank you for our greatest blessings, our children. Thank you for um, the opportunity that we all have to. Uh, raise the next generation and father we thank you specifically today for our hands and our feet and our eyes and our lungs and all the things that we use um, in our bodies to to work your creation and work the land and to play and to um, just spend time together outside in your in your beauty um, we thank you for um, the opportunity we have today to talk about this and pray for families who hear it, that um, everyone will be inspired together uh, to get outside, uh, to go out and to celebrate everything that you have given us um, in your in your world. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Well, thank you, Rachel and Jesse, and thanks for listening this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating and a review on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help too. Visit my website, caroljoyside.com to subscribe to our weekly email and receive exclusive discounts in my online store where seminars and interviews are available. Be sure to tune in next week for my next episode where I help you homeschool simply inexpensively and enjoyably. Blessings,